Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. If you brought your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And we are going to continue our study on the tongue. Last Wednesday night, we talked about the importance of the tongue. That is, speaking words that are faith-filled words, words that are full of life, words that are constructive and not destructive. Amen? Amen? And it's so important that we recognize what the Bible has to say on the subject. If we want to have str strong faith and great faith, then we have to believe in our words. Amen. That's what Jesus said in Mark 11:23. 23. Amen. We have to believe in our heart that what we say with our mouth will come to pass. Can you imagine someone believing in their heart and saying with their mouth, you old ugly thing, you? And all of a sudden, the person just becomes very ugly right before their eyes. <laughs> That may sound a little humorous, but to be frank about it, words are powerful. That's right. We just don't recognize how powerful they are. Now, you know, if you had a, a gun in your hands and you pointed at somebody and it was loaded, their life could very well be in danger because you recognize the power in that, uh, that weapon. But too often we fail to realize and recognize in our lives that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And the tongue is a powerful weapon. It can be used to create or destroy. And it all depends on our understanding. If we want to have great and strong faith, we have to believe in our words. We talked about in James, of course, James being the brother of our Lord, certain things that characterize the tongue. First of all, we are told that the tongue unless tamed, unless bridled, unless brought under control, would prevent a person from growing spiritually. Spiritual maturity cannot be achieved or obtained without bridling the tongue. A person who does not control his tongue as a Christian, we are told in the book of James, his religion is vain. It's in vain. It's not going to profit him anything. He also talked about the tongue being a world of iniquity or unrighteousness or wrongfulness of character. A person who does not know how to control his tongue has a flaw in his character. He also talked about the tongue spotting, blemishing, and also taking away from the body. It disgraces the body. It's like a defect. Is your tongue defective? Is it? Is there a defect in your body and it's found in your mouth? <laughs> you know, when you teach along these lines, sometimes people think, well, this is ridiculous. But, but beloved, the Bible has a lot to say about the tongue. Some people I've heard say, well, you, you're talking about our words. You're putting me in bondage. 
bondage to my words. No, the Bible says you're snared by the words of your mouth. In other words, you'll be taken captive by the words of your mouth. And if you're not careful, your words will put you in bondage. So right there, if you don't think there's a, a truth here, you're going to be in bondage by the very words that you're speaking. And as a matter of fact, when you talk about the tongue and you talk about believing in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass, you know, you're talking about the power that created the universe. For God said and it was so, and God said and it was so, and God said and it was so. And He gave no other creature that right. Boy, that was a little nugget and you let it just go right over the top of your head. He gave no other creature that right to believe from the heart and say with the mouth and create. Do you realize that? I mean, dogs may bark. Cats may meow. Cows may moo <laughs> and all this. But there's no creative power there, is there? But when humans speak, there's power. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And you're the king and the priest of God. There's power in your words. We've got to believe that. The tongue is an unruly evil. It's a deadly poison. There's power in it to bless. There's power in it to curse. Those are the things that James said. Now let's get to the master, Jesus. In Matthew 12 and verse 32, I went over this too quickly last time and I want to review it again if I may. If I not, I will anyhow. In verse 32 says, And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Let's put that into perspective because some people think that, you know, some people think that once you've spoken against the Holy Ghost, you can never be saved. But in actuality, if you really wanted to focus in on what that verse is saying, it's talking about the works of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was casting out devils by the power of the Holy Ghost, wasn't he? And they said, he's doing that by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Then they were speaking against the work of the Holy Spirit. And in other places, you'll see that Jesus says, you're in danger of hellfire when you start talking like that. Because if you speak against the work of the Holy Spirit, you're speaking against the one who recreates your spirit. And if you disbelieve what the Word teaches and what the Word says about salvation and you speak against that work of the Holy Spirit, you cannot be saved. Well, I don't believe I've got to be born again. I mean, I've never heard of that before, and why do I have to be born again, and blah, blah, blah. I'm a good person. I go to church. I do all these different things. You're speaking against the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Ghost wants to take the blood of Jesus and give you a blood transplant, or, or transfusion, rather. He wants to take the very life of God and give you a heart transplant. Amen? A new heart will I put within you. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. When you start saying, I can get to heaven on my own, those are works. You're speaking against the work of the Holy Spirit. And you're in danger of hellfire because if you don't change that frame of mind, that way of thinking and way of speaking, you won't make heaven. And that's what the Bible teaches. But that's not the only work of the Holy Spirit. Casting out devils, also healing the physical body, and all kinds of other things the Holy Spirit does. And if a person speaks against that work of the Spirit, that person's not going to experience the reality of that work. When a person speaks against speaking with other tongues and being filled with the Spirit, even though they're a Christian, you know they'll never receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until they change that way of thinking and speaking and start thinking and speaking right. 
And when they start believing right from their heart and saying it with their mouth, then they're going to receive the Holy Ghost and they'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. But they're not going to have the fire if they say, I don't believe in tongues. It's of the devil and all these different things like some have been taught. So we cannot speak against a work of the Spirit and then expect the Spirit of God to move on our behalf. We're not going to be forgiven for that. We've got to change our way of thinking and speaking and speak in line with what the Spirit of God does. When we start speaking against the work of the Spirit, even in our lives in salvation and recreating us, does not the Bible teach us that we've been recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works that God before ordained that we should walk in them? Doesn't it teach that? Amen. That means we should be saying that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. In Him I live and move and have my being. The greater one lives on the inside of me. I am God's workmanship right now holy without spot, without blemish, before the presence of God's glory with exceeding joy. Amen. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. I want you to speak in line with it right now by lifting your hands up to heaven and start thanking God that you are His workmanship. Would you do that with me tonight? Father, thank You that we are Your workmanship in this place. Recreated by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. We have a new identity in Him. We live in Him. We move. And in Him we have our being. Yes. Oh, thank You, Father God, for the newness of life that is in every one of us in this place. We are kings. We are priests. Hallelujah unto God Almighty. Glory to God. Thank You, Father God, for making us brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. We thank You tonight, Father. Oh, we rejoice over it. Hallelujah, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, that just... What did that do for you? You speak in line with the work of God and the Spirit of God begins to move upon you. You speak against His work, there's not a whole lot, you know, He can actually do. I'm just a worm in the dust. I'm just barely getting along through this life. I'm just scraping the bottom of the barrel. I'll tell you what, I'm unworthy to even approach the presence of the Almighty God. Sometimes when I have a need, I just try to crawl in the back door thinking that maybe He'll just peek out of the corner of His eye and see me there somewhere. I didn't get anything out of that, did you? But I'll tell you what, I can go boldly to the throne of grace. I can stand before the presence of my Father with exceeding joy and rejoice and be glad and say, Father, I've come for mercy. I've come to obtain grace because I belong to the family. Who glory to God. That'll do something for you, won't it? See what you speak against? You're speaking against the Spirit of God when you call yourself a worm in the dust. But when you say, I'm a child of God, glory. Okay, so now he teaches on words. And this is Jesus teaching on words. Verse 33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. You can't see what's on the inside of someone, but you can know what they're made of when you listen to them talk. That's true. Isn't that true? Amen. Either they're bananas or they're nuts or they're pears or lemons. Are you a lemon? 
What's he saying? You can identify the tree by its what? By its fruit. Are you a fig? See what I mean? You can see by its fruit. That's how you can detect the tree or what's on the inside of a person. By what they're saying. And that's why Jesus is saying make the tree good and its fruit good because people listen to what you say then they know what you have on the inside of you. If a person speaks against the things of God, you know they don't have a whole lot of God on the inside of them. Isn't that true? And that's what Jesus was telling them. Make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt because the tree is known by its fruit. Verse 34. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Since our words reveal what's on the inside, he knew they were evil and he's saying, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever has been placed into our hearts is what is going to come out of our mouth. It's not that which goes into the mouth that defileth the man. It's that which comes out of the mouth, this defileth the man. That's what Jesus taught. So he is saying to them that evil is in abundance in your heart and you're trying to speak good things, you just can't do it. And beloved, to be frank about it, every single one of us was well-schooled in evil speaking. Every single one of us. We had a pretty good teacher. The spirit of Satan himself, the father of all liars, got a hold of us. And before regeneration, we were well-taught because of the fall of man in evil speaking, foolish speaking, vain speaking, and it goes on and on. It was a natural thing to tell lies before you're saved. But did you notice that once you got saved, it was hard to lie? Come on. I'm preaching better than you're responding. <laughs> Couldn't you tell that it was hard to lie once you got saved? Isn't that true? I mean, you, you, you just began to cringe because you're saved and you want to say something. Uh, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Because you just couldn't spew out that lie any longer because you had a change of heart, see? And God wants us to flow with that change. And that's why He's saying, make this tree good. This tree is known by its fruit. And what you put out by way of words is what's going to determine what's inside your heart. Next verse, verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, and that just means a deposit of his heart, will bring forth good things. We've got to put the good things of God inside. How many of you put Jesus in there? Thank God for Jesus. How many of you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you? Thank God. That's why you speak in tongues. Can you see that He has got to come in before you do the speaking? How about the Father? Is He in there? Thank God. What about His good Word? Have you tasted to see the good Word of God, that it is good indeed? Is it on the inside of you? If you keep on putting it in and putting it in and putting it in and putting it in like he told Joshua, what did he tell Joshua? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Amen. See? And that's how you put it in. We keep feeding on the good Word of God, feeding on the good Word of God, feeding on the good Word of God. And what is it doing? It is taking the evil out, taking the evil out, putting the good in, putting the good in. All that evil speaking we want out. We want the abundance of good things on the inside of us. Jesus says, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. The abundance of the heart. 
The abundance of the heart. That means the, the heart is to be filled with the life of God and the knowledge of God and the Word of God. And the more we have it on the inside of us in abundance in our hearts, we are going to speak it out of our mouths. And beloved, that is creative power. That's creative ability. We want our words to work for us so that we can obtain success in this life. But an evil man out of the evil treasure or deposits of his heart will bring forth evil things. And it's because, once again, we were well-schooled in evil speaking. There's no question about it. I mean, human nature is on the course of destruction. Can you agree with that? We know that's the truth. It's set on course of nature what is set on fire of hell, James said. And this tongue boasts great things. There are many dreamers out there and great boasters out there. And I'll tell you what, the tongue can say a whole lot. But if you can't fulfill what you're saying, what good is it? It's easy to speak and say all kinds of things. It's a lot harder to fulfill those things. It's better to be quiet and say little. You can fulfill a whole lot more. Amen. Amen. It's the truth. Now notice, this is Jesus speaking. In this verse, if it doesn't make you cringe, something's wrong with your cringer. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak. Ladies, it means women also. Okay? Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof on the day of judgment. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an oral discourse on the day of judgment. And plain, to make it plain and clear, all he's saying is this. When a person's standing before Jesus and says, why am I doomed to hell? All Jesus is going to do is just say, here you are. Here's a screen. There you are, walking down the street. Someone stops you, hands you a tract, says, you need to have Jesus if you want to make heaven your home. And you will hear yourself say, don't bother me with that junk. I'll do it my way. And you'll walk away. And you know what? He'll hear those words in his own ears. And those words will ring throughout eternity. And that's true in many areas of life. To be frank about it, beloved, if there's any verse in all the Bible that would make us really conscientious of our words. I believe it should be this one, even above Mark 11:23. Because you see, Mark 11:23 is one of those verses like, man, I can blow out mountains. I can remove obstacles. Faith, glory to God. And that's wonderful. But you know, that's one aspect of this. But the other aspect of it is this. Every idle word Every word that is unprofitable, every word that men shall speak that is to no benefit, that is no good to anybody, he's going to have to give an account of on the day of judgment. Now, I know we need to get bailed out of this thing because, man, I don't know how many words I've spoken in my lifetime. Can you calculate how many you have spoken in your lifetime? Uh, we can't, can we? But I know I've said a few. Have you said a few? 
We've all said quite a few words, right? On the day of judgment. Every single day, every hour of the day. I mean, can you imagine how many words? When you have conversations with people at work, when you're talking to people at church, when you're talking with people at the wedding reception, when you're talking at this place and that place, driving in a car, taking a towel, I mean, whatever that you're doing, all these kinds of things that are going on with your children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all these words that we put out there. We put all these words out there and they're out there. It's hard for me to even imagine that our God is so great and so mighty and so big, He can take every word of a person's lifetime and bring them all back to Him. I'm working on getting mine under the blood of Jesus. And what about you? I mean, we should, even at the end of the day, say, Father God, the words that I have spoken today that were non-productive, I recognize how frail I am. I'm asking that you forgive me for those words I've spoken that were of no benefit to your kingdom, to my life, or to those that heard me. Put them under the blood of Jesus in the sea of forgetfulness. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof on the day of judgment. See, if I want my words to be strong, faith-filled words, then I've also got to recognize the importance of my words and realize that this tongue is a mighty weapon. I cannot just misuse it. And then when I want to properly use it, five minutes out of a whole month, I can't expect great things. It's when we really focus in on the power of our words. That makes the difference. For thy, by thy words, by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. By my words, I'll be justified, and by my words, I'll be condemned. Won't, be, won't it be a wonderful day on that same day of judgment when you're there before the throne of God? And right before he says, enter thou into the joy of your Lord, you're right there, and you know that you're justified being there and entering in because he may play back what you said when someone said to you, would you like to make Jesus your Savior and Lord? And you'll see yourself saying, yes, I would. And you'll hear yourself saying the sinner's prayer. Some people think the sinner's prayer is a small thing. But I'm telling you right now, there's power. Matter of fact, while I'm saying that, would you turn with me to Romans chapter 8 to show you that this is, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10, verse 8, that this is what this whole life is all about? There you are before the throne of God. Right there before Jesus. And you hear yourself saying, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ died for my sins. Hey, beloved. You know, this is something I believe that is true. And that is that every person's voice is unique. God knows the sound of your voice. When you acquaint yourself with people, is it not true that when they call you on the phone, you can detect and recognize their voice and you know who it is without ever seeing the person? Well, God knows every single one of us. You know, He heard your voice on high when you said the sinner's prayer. Did you know that? And every time you confess Jesus before men, He confesses you before the angels of heaven. You're identified. 
And do you know why you're identified? Not because you attend Christian assembly or any church in the country or the world. You're identified because one day you prayed the sinner's prayer. And this is what you did. Verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 10. I'm sorry, verse 12. 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You will hear yourself saying those words. Why are you justified? Because there was a day in your life when you were on earth when someone told you about Jesus and you said yes, you did not say no. You said, I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins. That Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Scriptures. I opened the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I accept you, receive you, and confess you as my personal Savior and my Lord I call on the name of the Lord and I am saved throughout eternity. Forever. Your voice on record. Oh, thank God. Thank God He heard those words out of your mouth, from your heart. Well, what does that do to you? He heard your words out of your mouth, from your heart, and that justified you before God. Oh, the glory of it. Made heaven glad. Okay, look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're talking about what does the Bible say about the tongue? What does it actually teach? We can have faith-filled words. Words can create. Words can do great things. But in order for those words of ours to do great things, we have to understand the whole picture. We've got to recognize there's also a need for us to do something about bridling the tongue so that we speak more faith-filled words than we do words of doubt, unbelief, and also words that are empty, words that are non-productive, non-profitable, etc. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt communication. The word corrupt means worthless or bad. Worthless or bad communication, it's just something that's being said. It's logos there. Proceed out of your mouth. Now, it's apparent to me he's talking about our words. Let no, and this is talking about going on in Christ and removing from ourselves the old man and putting on the new man. And he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the edifying, that which is good, that which builds up, that which, is, which encourages other people. Not that which tears down or puts people down, but that which builds up and ministers, ministers, ministers. Beloved, do you realize your most effective ministering tool is your tongue? I'm going to say that again. Your most effective ministering tool is your tongue. 
You know, you can change the atmosphere in a room by walking into it with faith-filled words, words of faith and love and power. You know you can. You really can. There's power in your words. And that's what He wants us to begin doing. Speaking words that will minister grace. That's talking about ministering life. God's operational power to someone. Someone can be downhearted. Someone can be discouraged. Someone can be distraught in despair. I mean, and have all the weight of the world upon their shoulders. And you can walk right up to that person and you can begin to spew some things out of your mouth that will build that person up. You know, if you and I have wisdom, then the way we'll treat people will be like this. Instead of browbeating somebody with the Word and saying, where is your faith? Look at you, weighed down by the cares of the world. Don't you know that Jesus said, don't be that way? How many know that you can say the right thing, but the manner in which you say it could be wrong? Very careful when it comes to talking to somebody who is in need. You can also go to that same person and say, you know what, brother? I understand that you're going through a battle. But I want you to know that I'm on the other side of that rope. And I want you to know that I'm standing with you in faith. And I encourage you to continue believing God. I encourage you to to let God be the glory and the lifter of your head. I've found in the Word of God that when I'm under that kind of an attack, He said, cast your care upon me because I care for you. Do you know how much God loves you and cares for you? But brother, you don't understand what I'm under the weight of it all. I, I know, I know, but He does. He is touched with the feeling of your infirmities. And you know what? He is right now at the Father's right hand and He's doing business making intercession for you. He is representing you to the Father right now and I encourage you to let Him be the glory and the lifter of your head. He can do it. Praise God. And I'll hold fast together with you and I'll believe God with you. Words that edify. I really believe, beloved, that there are many who stay away from church because they are browbeaten from the pulpit. That's a fact. Hey, you can be browbeaten in the world. Just get out there. When you come to church, you want to be encouraged. You want to be lifted up. Amen? Amen. Exactly. And so we are to, this is our ministry. We are to minister grace to, to the hearers. What are we speaking? Is it discouraging or is it encouraging? Is it building up or is it tearing down? God wants us to build people's lives up. Amen. Now listen carefully. Because this next verse is so important. And grieve not the, the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Words can grieve the Spirit of God. Words that are non-productive can grieve the Spirit of God. When we say things that we shouldn't be saying even about ourselves, I won't even say about somebody else, about ourselves. Come on, have you ever been down on yourself? Once or twice in your life? Have you ever been down on yourself? We've all been down on ourselves. You think God takes pleasure in hearing us saying how unsuccessful we are and how no good we are and I'm, I'm just so limited in my knowledge and in my resources and I just don't know. I mean, do you think He takes pleasure in hearing us talk like that? 
You think the Spirit of God is right there just patting us on the back saying, man, just keep on going, <laughs> keep on talking. I don't think He likes hearing us talk like that. You know, it really does reveal that our minds have not really been renewed as they should be. That grieves the Spirit of God and it prevents Him from being released in our lives and unleashed in our lives. It says it saddens Him. It makes Him heavy. It vexes the Holy Spirit when God's people speak even against themselves, against what the Word says about them. Beloved, we can take this to a new dimension, I'm telling you right now, because to be frank about it, we talk about with His stripes I am healed. And we talk about, you know, how sick the body can be. And there's a truth to that. There's no doubt about it. I really believe that there is a lot to learn about that. But the thing is, when we speak against the work of Christ, we have failed to recognize how it grieves the work of the Holy Spirit. I honestly believe that we have got to take it to another dimension in all of our lives and start saying the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening my mortal body. And beloved, are you healthy right now? Come on, shout it out. Are you healthy right now? Okay. Then you know what? There is also a thing called divine life. And I really believe that Romans 8.11 is there for divine life purposes. The, the, the Spirit of God quickens our mortal body. The Father, by His Spirit, quickens our mortal body. And quicken means animate. To animate. It means to make it act like an immortal body. The Spirit imparts supernatural strength. But you see, because on a daily basis, we have not confessed that. We have not understood the importance of saying what God has spoken about us and about our lives, about our bodies, about our minds. You know, we've seen people strong in faith about God hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but a power love and of a sound mind. And then five years later being devastated by fear. Listen carefully. It is the tactic and the ploys of the enemy to do what? To, to stop us from confessing the Word of God. Because that confession of faith is activating the Holy Spirit. When I start saying how afraid I am and how I'm not going to make it, and etc., etc., it grieves the work of the Spirit. But when I say in harmony with the Word of God that praise God, the life of God is in me. That's why we sing the songs, I've got the life of God in me. i got His life, His nature I've got His divine ability. Thank God for who He is in me. I mean daily. Thank God for who He is in me. The greater one is in me. Living in me. Quickening my mortal body. Animating it. Praise God. Making it act like an immortal body. What do you mean? I don't understand that. Well, what did Peter's body do when it walked on water? It wasn't acting like a mortal body. Mortal bodies can't walk on water. Right? Walking on the water, I mean, glory. That's a manifestation of the power of God. And when we speak words that line up with that, changes take place in our lives. See, we have this mentality that says, well, if I get sick, then I'll go and pray. No, a thousand times no. What He's wanting us to do is daily, daily before we're ever touched by sickness and disease, start speaking out the words of divine life, making a highway for God to work and for God to move. In all of our lives. But we have to rise to a higher level of understanding in these things. Okay, let's read on here. 
Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. Now go on to chapter 5. Look at verse 4. Neither filthiness. Well, let's back up. This is what he's talking about. Let's back up a little bit. Let's start with chapter 5, verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ has also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness, any kind of lust or sexual immorality or covetousness or greed, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints. How many times? Let it not be named not even once among you. And if you read the Amplified, it expounds on that. It's talking about lustful thoughts and all kinds of things in your mind that are contrary to the knowledge of God and the Word of God. Don't allow those things to foster in your mind. Don't, don't act on those things. Don't fornicate. Don't covet. Don't let it once be named among you. Now notice, neither filthiness nor foolish talking. Let it not once be named among you, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving it thanks. Wait a minute. He's talking about the big fornication. Tied right into it. Evil speaking and foolish jesting. But if you're really sanctified, you know fornication is a bigger sin. Wrong. <laughs> it's not true. I mean, you can have the most humble, most wonderful person who really believes, man, I'm, I mean, I'm with God. I don't fornicate and I don't covet. But they can eat supper from the bedroom. <laughs> Think about it. That's a long tongue. <laughs> Isn't it? We've all been there. In other words, the point is, I mean, they'd be the first one to tell you about fornication's wrong, man. You better get it right with God. But put down everybody and their brother in the church with this thing? That, that doesn't mean anything. Oh, yes, it does. See, until we fully understand that, we're not going to have the power that this tongue really should be yielding in our lives. Will they? I mean, we should have words that will be creative, words that will enable us to have success and victory. But if we're speaking 95% gal and foolish jesting and all these other things, how can we expect our faith to work? That's what He wants us to know. So we've got to take it to another level. And I'm not saying that it's easy, but beloved, we all want to grow, don't we? I don't want to stay where I'm at. Do you want to stay where you're at in Christ? I want to have more of God's power released through my life. Sometimes we, know, we think, well, if I just have more power coming out of my hand. No, we can generate more power right here. Why do you think that God gave us Holy Ghost-filled people, the Holy Ghost and tongues? Think what He targeted right there. No man can, can, can control or attain the tongue, but Holy Ghost-filled person, He gets... A tongue, a new tongue. Maybe he wants us to practice next time we're at a place where we don't know what to say and we're going to say the wrong thing. Talk in tongues for an hour. Last verse for tonight. 
Psalm 39. You knew we'd get to this one. And once again, I'm taking this very slow. I just want us to see what the Bible says about the tongue. And remember, I'm not the one writing this. I'm the one reading it. Okay? But it's so important, beloved, because if we're not reminded this, of this every day, what happens? Man, this tongue is as loose as a goose. It just, you know, man slobbers and says all these kinds of crazy things that we should not be saying. Look at how we're made up. Chapter 39, Psalm 39, verse 1. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my what? Tongue. Psalm 39, verse 1. Every one of us should say the same thing. I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. You know, gossip is fun sometimes. Come on. I saw some of those looks out there. Hmm, come on. There's a little taste to it that's not too bad. That's how the average person is. Come on, give me some of the juice, you know. Right? Come on. Boy, I'm preaching better than you're responding, I'm telling you. Look at... I will take heed to my ways. Everybody say, my way. See, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That I sin not with my wife's tongue. Is that what it says? Everybody say, my tongue. Okay. I will keep my mouth. You know how quick we are to keep someone else's mouth? You shouldn't say that. Oh, let God play back the heavenly recorder. You shouldn't say that. Whew, I could just hear him saying to us. You should have not said most of what you said. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. I'll harness it. I'm just going to hold that thing tight, put some band-aids over my mouth while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. You ever been there before? Have you ever been there before? I mean, you just... You ever notice that when you do this, you close this, something starts boiling on the inside? It's like all the pressure gets built up on the inside. Listen. I'm not going to say anything wrong. I'm not going to speak doubt. I'm not going to speak out against my brother. I'm not going to say this or not me. And you... Hmm? Throw away the key, right? I was done with silence. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing or meditating, I was thinking about this whole thing. Hmm. I said, I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to say a word. You're sitting in the car. You're waiting for your wife. You have to be somewhere on time. And you've got the car running. You've, it's all heated up. And I mean, you're ready to go. You've got seven minutes to make a ten-minute trip. And she's putting on her makeup. She's already changed the dress three times. And you're sitting in the car. Everyone except Krista. Krista's <laughs> 
And <laughs> she gets ready quick. I have to admit that she gets ready so quick. It's remarkable. It's wonderful. And there you are, sitting in the car. And I mean to tell you, there you <laughs> I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to say a word. And you're like that. And all of a sudden, your heart is just like David's. The fire burned. She got in. You're driving down the road. For 30 seconds, you held your peace. Your lips were sealed. And 30 seconds is a record. I mean, you are really one second more mature than you were yesterday. And excited about it. But I mean, that, that fire just was burning on the inside. And then like David, then spake I with my tongue. Should not have done it, David. Should not have done it. Have you ever been there before? Or you weren't going to tell the boss just what you thought. And you held your peace and you kept your mouth shut. But the more you thought about it, the more you meditated on it, the fire burned on the inside of you. And then, boy, when it came out, when it came out, you sent out the troops to try to capture half the things that came out of your mouth. But you couldn't do it. We've all been there before. We're not going to speak out against anyone or anything. Even about God's Word, I'm not going to speak any doubt or unbelief. I'm telling you, beloved, when you practice this, you'll find out exactly where you're at in God. You'll find exactly how spiritual you are or are not. That's true. And you'll know exactly how much faith you have. And if we'll gauge our faith that way, we'll, exactly, we'll know exactly where we're at and just how much we do believe. It's not an easy thing to do, beloved, but I believe that God has equipped us, enabling us to do it, by the power and presence of His Holy Spirit and also by His Word that He has given us. And so, the last verse, He says, verse 4, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. How frail I am. Think about it. How frail. We are. Do we have the ability to control that little member and speak right words? Let's all stand to our feet before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.